get rocking and rolling for the service, I have a couple announcements that I need to make. Uh, the first announcement is this. On November the 13th, we have baptisms coming up. Uh, if you have not, I like it when y'all get excited for baptism. That's what I'm talking about. Um, hey, if you want to get baptized, well, what is baptism? Baptism is an outward profession of your inward faith. So if you're saying, hey, I believe in Jesus, Scripture says the next step is to get baptized, to get dunked in some water. So that's a celebration for us. We're going to have baptisms November the 13th. If you've never been baptized, make sure you scan that QR code. Man, we would love to baptize you. The next announcement that I have is our multiplier celebration on December the 11th. Uh, that's something that I'm excited. Fig's like, yes, that's me. Uh, that's something I'm excited about. We're going to have a comedian come in. We're going to set up some tables. We're going to have some food. Man, we're just going to have a good time. It's an opportunity for us to be able to celebrate uh, with one another and, and to celebrate all of the individuals that serve at our church. The next thing that we have coming up in November is our miracle offering. So every year in November, we do an end-of-the-year miracle offering. And, and this year, uh, we want to be debt-free stepping into 2023. Uh, so what, what does that look like? We, our, our books are open. We do a, a big business meeting every year. But to stay in Liberty Prep, we signed a three-year contract. And brass tax, we had to pay $200,000 to stay in Liberty Contract or to stay in uh, Liberty Prep. And so for us, uh, we had to borrow about $150,000 from our network. We didn't borrow it from the bank. We borrowed it from all of our other churches. And we want to pay that back by the end of the year. Uh, so we need to raise about $150,000 more uh, to be debt-free by the end of the year. So you'll hear more of that. You guys will get letters in the mail for that as well. One other announcement that I have to make. Sometimes announcements are hard. Sometimes I don't want to make them, but we have to make them. Um, I'm going to ask Brittany and Justin Rochelle to call, go ahead and make their way to the stage. Y'all give it up for Justin and Brittany. So, Justin and Brittany have been here. They've been a part of the church for, uh, for three years. Uh, Brittany, you have served as the Family Life Director. You're overseeing kids' ministry uh, overseeing youth, uh, overseeing a lot of VIP stuff. You're up here every week uh, welcoming our VIPs. Um, I want you guys to know <laughs> that this is not easy uh, for me to stand up here and do this, and it's not easy for, for these guys to stand up here. Uh, but, but Justin and Brittany are kind of sensing a shift and a change in their life uh, to spend more time with family. Uh, they, have, they have two that are eight and nine, nine and, nine and ten now, nine and ten. And then they have an eight-month-old, nine-month-old, 10-month-old. Where does time go? It's like we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and that would have made sense for us. But um, these guys want to spend more time with family. So in two weeks, uh, it'll be Brittany's last day serving on staff. So you'll see her around church for the next few months. Uh, but, man, we just want to honor and celebrate them. Again, it's never easy to stand up here, especially when you welcome people into not just your church family, but your, your family family. And, and these guys have become family to us. And uh, the way that we approach these types of things that multiply is this. We say that we lead with an open hand. Nobody in this church is, is our people. They're, they're all God, you're all God's people. 
You're not Zach's people. You're not Multiply's people. You're God's people. And that, that also means that the staff are God's people. And if God's calling uh, individuals to move on or to move in a different direction, then, then we're just going to follow the voice of God. But we say that we're going to lead with an open hand. And doing that, we're just going to honor and celebrate uh, Justin and Brittany. Justin, you served um, as our lead youth person for the past year, pouring into our kids. And, and I know that kids' lives are changed uh, because of the work that not just you, but both of you have put in. Um, so we just want to honor and celebrate Justin and Brittany. We have you a little gift. There's more to come, but this is a, l- a little gift. I know you're going to be here for the... There's a lot of stuff that you like in here. I said, Jenna, you have to put this together. There's a lot of not a lot of nail stuff. I know that. So if you know Brittany, Brittany loves her nails being done. So we got to like plenty of stuff to do her nails, uh, but we're going to honor and celebrate these guys again. Uh, but I'm going to ask Pastor Keith to come up and, and pray a prayer uh, of blessing uh, over these guys. Um, and if you if you would, if you feel comfortable, we're going to ask you to kind of stretch your hand towards Brittany and Justin as Pastor Keith prays over them. Amen. Yes, please extend your hand as we pray for them. So Lord, we ask a covering over Brittany and Justin right now, Father. A covering of protection, a covering of your favor, a covering of your anointing. Lord, they have put so much time and sweat and tears into serving your kingdom, your church here, Father. And so we want to honor them and ask your blessing on them as they move forward in the next season of life that they're going into, Lord. That you would guide and direct their steps, Lord. You have a perfect plan and will for their lives. And we pray that they would discern your spirit and walk through that with confidence, knowing that they're hearing from your voice. And so we pray a covering over their household, a protection over their physical health, over their finances, Lord, or over just the, the wisdom that they need from you as they parent their children, Lord. And Lord, we just ask that they would have a security in knowing that they're in your perfect will as they step into this new season of life, that they would have the full confidence knowing that you're taking care of every single detail as they walk into your will for their lives, Lord. And so we just pray your blessing, your favor, your anointing over them as a couple, as individuals, as parents, as servants for your kingdom, Lord. And as we release them, we ask your blessing over them in your name that we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, can you show your love and appreciation for Justin and for Brittany? I'm going to, no, 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 stand down there. No, I never get to hug you at this level. Give me a hug. That's what it feels like when you hug everybody. You guys may be seated. Hey, like I said, uh, they're going to be around for the next several months, so it's not like this is their last day, but make sure you grab them in the lobby. Man, have a conversation with them. Let them know how much you appreciate them and how much you love them. Hey, over the last uh, several weeks, we've been in the book of Revelation. Uh, this is, I think, week 10 in, in the book of Revelation, and we're going to continue the theme. We're going to finish the, the last of the seven churches. We're, we're going to be looking at the church of Laodicea this morning. But there's three things that I've been saying each and every week as we step into the book of Revelation. By now, you should know what they are. By now, you should be, especially if you've been, if this is your church, you go to church here, you should be able to repeat everything that I'm about to say. And, and the first thing is this. You shouldn't be afraid of the book of Revelation. Just because we don't fully understand it or we don't understand everything that's in it, we shouldn't be afraid of the book. It's in the Bible. If it's in the Bible, we're supposed to read it. The second thing that we know is this. We understand that the book of Revelation is a progressive revealing or unveiling of who Jesus is. Revelation 1.1 says this. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. So what we know by that statement is this. The closer that we get to Jesus, the more that he's going to reveal himself to us. The closer that we get to his return, the more that he's going to reveal himself to us. And the third, and really I think the most important thing is this. We always keep the main thing 
the main thing. And the main thing in Scripture is always Jesus. It doesn't matter what book of the Bible you're reading, the main theme is always Jesus. The main character is always Jesus. Over the past several weeks, we've walked through, uh, like I said, six of the seven churches. We've walked through Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamum and Thyatira and Sardis. Last week, we looked at the church of Philadelphia, and today, we're going to look at the church of Laodicea. And I have to ask this question, not to just myself, but to every person in the room. What does one degree difference make in the last days? What does one degree difference make? All right, here, here's what I have to ask today. Um, did anybody grow up playing NBA Jam? By a show of hands, NBA Jam. Like, I loved NBA Jam. Everybody raise your hands again. All right, look around the room. One, we're old. Uh, two, there was not one female hand that went up. We need to change that by the So all the husbands that raised their hand, please introduce your significant others to NBA. At least it's like, I don't want to know what it's about. I don't, but NBA Jam, and I, lo- I loved playing NBA Jam. Fun fact, I never, the only gaming system that I ever owned was a Sega Genesis. Uh, so I'm dating myself a little bit. I've never had like a new gaming system. So to play NBA Jam, I had to go to like a video game store and find the stand-up and hit the buttons like that. That's how I learned how to play NBA Jam. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you my top three teams in the original NBA Jam. All right, don't take this as gospel. All right, this is what Zach Witt thinks. I think coming in at number three was the Houston Rockets because the Houston Rockets had Akeem Aljuwan and Kenny Smith. All right. Aljuwan could have played with absolutely anybody in NBA Jam and been dominant. The second best team was the San Antonio Spurs because they had David Robinson and Sean Elliott. Here's the thing. David Robinson should not have been in the NBA. He should have been, he literally should have, coach, he should have been a defensive end on some football team. That joker was stacked. There's no way he should have been in the NBA. But the, the best team in the original NBA Jam had to be the Utah, Utah Jazz. They had Carl Malone and John Stockton. The pick and roll was unstoppable. Are you a, are you, are you like, you're, you're, you're like 15. How do you even, no, you're not, you're like 18, but you're, how do you even know who the, the original Utah, Utah Jazz, because you played NBA Jam. I love the answer. By the way, if you're new here, um, I call people out a lot, especially if they make antics and stuff. So please be fun and let's have fun today. All right. But there's two, the best part of the game was when you heard two different lines. And if you've played the game, you know, you know the, the main one. But the but one that you heard before the main one was this. He's heating up. Like if somebody hit two shots, that person was heating up. And you would do whatever you had to do to get the ball to that player. You would gold 10, you would foul, you would do whatever you had to do to get the ball to the player that was heating up. And when that player made three shots in a row, what did we hear? I love it. I love it. And then everybody that's never played the game is like, you lost me. <laughs> like, let's get back to the Bible. But he, he was on fire. He couldn't miss a shot. And then what you would do is you would foul, you would goal 10, you would do whatever you had to do to get the ball to the person that was on fire because they would make a shot from wherever they shot from. We read in Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 14, we read this, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, right? These are the words of the Amen. The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Verse 17, you say, I am rich, I've acquired wealth, 
and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness. What we see in these four verses is, is something that kind of throws us for a loop. Is that in verse 14, we see what are the words of the amen. In verse 16, we see that if you're lukewarm, you're going to be spit out. And in verse 17, we see that our ability can deceive or try to justify ourselves. Anybody ever been there? Like you try to justify yourself. You try to justify your own actions. You try to justify why you're acting the way that you are. And then at the back end of verse 17, we see this. It's the danger of thinking that worldly success is God's approval on what we're doing. If we're not careful, we can fall down that rabbit hole. Just because things in your outward life are going well doesn't mean that you're following Jesus like you should. Just because you got the promotion doesn't mean you're following Jesus like you should. Just because you had the kid doesn't mean that you're following Jesus like you should. These individuals thought that they were following Jesus. They said, hey, we have everything that we need. And what does God say? God says, hey, you're lukewarm. You're not hot. You're not cold. You're just lukewarm. There's a couple of different interpretations on what is meant by cold in Laodicea, but I got to give you some historical context because the, the water system in the church for the church of Laodicea was different than any other church. They had to pipe in their water from different areas. In fact, the city of Colossae was to the southeast of Laodicea and they had cool mineral water. So Laodicea would pipe water in through aqueducts. And then to the north was the church of Hierapolis, and, and Hierapolis had hot springs, so Laodicea would pipe down hot water from the north to get to their city. But this, this was the problem. By the time the hot water came from Hierapolis, and by the time the cold water came from Colossae, when it reached Laodicea, it was lukewarm. So as Jesus is talking, he, he's speaking in a way that they'll understand what he's talking about. And there's a couple schools of theology. The, the first one is this, that God is saying, I want you to be hot to bring healing, and I want you to be, be cold to bring refreshment. It's definitely an interesting perspective, but, and that's maybe a possibility, but I lean towards this from a theological concept. I lean towards cold as meaning someone who is far from God and knows it versus someone who is lukewarm and doesn't know it. It's easy to be hot, right? Like we know when we're close to Jesus, well, we know when our spiritual walk is on. We also know when it's not. And we also know when we're cold. We also know when we drift. We also know when we kind of turn our back and go, you know what, I'm going to figure this thing out for myself. But it's hard to understand this concept or this idea of being lukewarm. I think one of the greatest dangers in our walk with Christ is our potential for self-deception. It's when we think we're good and we're not. When we justify our actions, even though they don't, they don't align with biblical standards. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying, don't be lukewarm. That's great. But, but the million dollar question is this. How does someone become lukewarm? What do you have to do to become lukewarm? It's a trick question. You do absolutely nothing. Nothing. You don't have a plan. You don't have a goal. You don't have a, a spiritual life that's dedicated to Jesus. You do absolutely nothing, and that's what causes you to be 
lukewarm. Man, if you're hot, you're going to focus on following Jesus. And and I'll say this, if you're cold, you're going to focus on not following Jesus. But to be lukewarm, you do absolutely nothing. And then you begin to drift. It's like when you take your temperature. You, you, you take your temperature, like there's a couple different ways, right? You have a thermostat and you have a thermometer. A couple weeks back, our, our girls were, weren't feeling well. And if you're a parent in the room, I know you've done this. You think your kid's sick and the first thing you do is, right? Like, like you put your hand, on their, your hand on their head and then it's like you can't figure it out. So then you call your spouse and, and my wife will go, hey, can you come, come fill Piper's head? And Piper's like looking at us like, what are you doing? Like, why are you, why are y'all touching why are you, and you're like, I don't know, am I hot? Like, are we, both, are we all sick? My hands are cold. I don't know what's going on. And we can't get the reading, right? So what do we do? We get the thermometer. And a thermometer will tell you one of two things. It'll tell you if your temperature is high, which means you're probably sick. And it'll also tell you if your temperature is low. That means you're probably sick, right? What, what, about, what about thermostats? The thermostats tell you the temperature of the room. Hey, free, free marriage counseling advice. For those of you who are already chuckling, you've had arguments. <laughs> and I know what those arguments entail. But on your first date, there's three questions that you should ask. All right? Number one, do you love Jesus? Number two, how much school debt do you have? Number three, <laughs> number three what is your house temperature right now? Don't tell me what you want it to be on. What is your house temperature right now? Like if I walked into your house, what is it? And this is what I know. If anybody's temperature starts with seven anything, you're wrong. (laughs) Calling people out. I don't want to come to your house if it's seven anything. Are you pointing at your husband in the back row? You're like shouting him down. Dang, Darren. Darren's standing up. He's like, call me out. (laughs) Call me (laughs) out. Okay, all right, I got I to gotta ask, who likes it hot? Darren! No! No, raise, raise your hand at money. Yeah, okay, I like comfort. Uh, raise, raise your hand if your house is 70 anything right now. Good Lord. Raise your hand if it's 60 something. You found Jesus, all right? But, but a thermostat will tell you the temperature of the room. Couple, couple things this morning. I literally text Keith from the Pastor Keith from the front row during first service, like, "Bud, please go turn the temperature down. It is hot in here. Like I'm sweating." Some of you are like, "It's cold in here now." No, it feels good. All right. Uh, 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 this is probably five, six nights ago. I woke up, and man, I am like, I'm in a puddle of sweat. Like I am sweating. And I'm thinking, dear Lord. Again, remember, my girls were, weren't feeling well a couple weeks ago. They had a temperature. I'm like, oh no, it got me. So I'm doing. I'm like. <laughs> I'm doing all the things, right? I'm getting up. Jenna's passed out. It's like 2 in the morning. And then I realized it wasn't that I was just hot. It was that the room was hot. So I'm thinking, no, she did not. We, we, had a, we don't turn the heat on in our house, all right, unless there's snow on the ground, all right? So I go look at, I go look at the thermostat, and she had it on 72. She's trying to send me down Dante's Inferno. Or, yes, you did too. <laughs> 72. You can try to call me out if you want to. It was 72 in our house. That's not spiritual. Bump that thing down to 67. Like, yeah, you wake up, you're going to be cold. But thermostats keep, keep temperature. Thermometers, they, they keep temperature. 
What I realize is this, we are created to be hyper aware of temperature changes, especially in our spiritual walk. I mean, we're hyper aware when we're close to Jesus. We're hyper aware when we're far away from Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, either be hot or be cold. Don't be lukewarm because when you're lukewarm, you think you're okay, but you're really not. More importantly, we're all called to be on fire for Jesus. What does that look like in your spiritual walk? Let's go back to the Israelites. So we're in the book of Revelation, but we're going to take a look at the Israelites. And I want to ask you a question about Deuteronomy chapter 5. It's a trick question, but who did God give the Ten Commandments to? So, Moses. Is it Moses? Did you read your Bible? Is it Moses? It was Moses. All right, I told you. Trick, trick question. It was, but it wasn't his intent to give it to them or to give it to him. It wasn't Moses's, or it wasn't God's intent just to give the Ten Commandments to Moses. I'm going to read it to you. Deuteronomy chapter 5, picking up in verse 4. At the mountain, the Lord spoke to you face to face from the heart of the fire. God, let me pause there. God always wants to draw us close to the fire. He always wants to draw us close to the fire. I stood as an intermediary between you and the Lord, for you were afraid of the fire and did not want to approach the mountain. Look at the Israelites on Mount Sinai. God's plan was to never use Moses as a go-between. God's plan was to never use Moses to go up to get the response to come. What was God's plan? God's plan was to speak to the Israelites from the heart of the fire. But what happened? They got scared. What happened? They started to back up. What happened? They said, hey, Moses, you, you go take care of that for us. I don't, I don't want to go talk to God. I'm afraid to get too close to the fire. They had this, what we're going to call a Mount Sinai mindset. And you and I have probably been there a time or two in our life, but, but we feel like God is probably mad at us. And if he's not mad at us, then, then he's at least disappointed. And if he's disappointed, I can't get as close to him as I thought that I could. If he's disappointed, then, then I can't get that close to Jesus if he's disappointed with me, I can't, I can't worship like, like I feel like I'm supposed to. I, I can't step out of that comfort zone because I can't get too close to God. Because the fire of God sometimes, man, it can seem scary. It can be hard to understand. I, I don't want to get too close, so I'm going to stay at a safe distance. And inevitably what happens is we'll hire pastors to really hear from God, and then we'll listen to the pastors on a Sunday morning. Well, You'll listen sometimes. Thank you for the chuckle. I appreciate that. Hey, newsflash, you don't need me to talk to God. Like, I, 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 my purpose here is to, to work myself out of a job. It, it isn't my goal or my role to stand in front of you to lead you into the presence of God. No, you're supposed to be spending time with Jesus daily. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. What is your personal prayer time, your personal relationship with Jesus truly look like. You don't need me as a go-between, just like the Israelites didn't need Moses. Oftentimes what happens is we'll get scared, we'll get shy, we're like, I, I don't understand it, I can't get too close. I'm just going to show up on Sunday morning. And if I show up and the worship team does a good job, the pastor does a good job, I'm going to feel like I'm closer to Jesus, as if we had something to do with ushering you into the presence. No, we don't. It's up to you and your personal Life, it seems like most modern Western churches are set up with a Mount Sinai mindset. Let's pay the pastor to be really spiritual. 
Let's pay the pastor and the staff to be the ones that hear from God, and then the rest of us will get close enough to get warmed by the fire, but not encounter the fire by ourselves. It's, exact, it's exactly what the Israelites did. I'm going to get close enough. I'll get close to Moses. I'll get warm. But man, I don't want to be on fire for God. I don't want to approach the presence of God. We really see this in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament, but this, the, the difference of a mindset. See, the Old Testament mindset would say this. Old Testament prophets say, I hear God for you. But New Testament prophets or New Testament pastors would say this, we hear God with you. I'm not going to hear God for you. I can't do it. I, I can't hear God on your behalf, but I can hear God with you. Listen, God's got to talk to Zach Witt just like he's got to talk to every single person in this room. It's not up to me to tell you what God is saying in your life. What is, you have to ask God yourself, hey, God, what are you, what are you saying? Hey, God, where are you leading me? God, what's, the, what's the direction that I should go. Hey, maybe it'll happen on a Sunday morning. Maybe. Maybe it happens during worship. But I like the odds of Monday through Saturday. I like six better than I like one. If you're spending time with Jesus daily, what are you going to hear from him? I want to pick up Revelation 3, starting in verse 19. We can't be afraid of the fire. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. I don't like that sentence. God, please don't rebuke me. Please don't discipline me. Like, what parent in the room has ever used this line? This is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. Anybody? My dad used to say that all the time. Like, no, you're tearing my hind end up. I promise you it hurts me more than it hurts you. But, but God says, those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So be earnest and repent. Verse 20, look, I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in. And we'll share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. So think back to the Israelites. Think back to what we're being told in, in the book of Revelation. Who got invited to the heart of the fire? Everyone. Ev everyone gets invited to the heart of the fire. But if we're not careful, we become passive and we become scared. Last week we learned that if you're passive, it can lead to participation. Whatever you're passive about can lead to participation. So instead of being in the presence of God and hearing from them, what happened to the Israelites? What did they do? They built a golden calf. They started worshiping another idol. They turned from God. Here's what's crazy about that story to me. It wasn't like they were wandering for 40 years, all right? It wasn't like they were away from God for 10 of those years. It wasn't like they were away from God for five of those years. They, they were away from God for 40 days. Moses goes up on this mountain. They don't have their leader. They didn't want to go up and talk to God. So Moses went up to talk. And for 40 days, they were without a leader. And they didn't, really didn't focus on God. And then they built this golden calf and started worshiping. 40 days. I, I hope and I pray that if you, if you walk outside of these doors and you're away from this church or away from this congregation for 40 days, I hope that you're not turning and worshiping something else. Can you imagine that? 40 days. It's not a long time. 40 days. And they turned. And they started worshiping something else. Ask yourself this question today. Do a self-checkup. What's your temperature? What's your, what's your true temperature? Mike's over here. Hitting his wife's forehead. Was she hot or cold? 
Don't say lukewarm. <laughs> you said lukewarm. Don't call your wife out like that. But t- take, your, take your spiritual temp- temperature for just a second. Don't worry about what anybody else is thinking about you. Just think about yourself. Man, are you, are you cold right now? Do you feel yourself drifting away from God? Man, are you hot? Do you feel yourself running towards the Lord? Or maybe you're like, uh. And if you're like, uh, you're probably lukewarm. I don't know where I am. You're, prob- you're probably lukewarm. God says, hey, check, check your temperature. Check your temperature. But what's the power, what's the power of one degree? I want to take, take a look at a few different examples. The power of one degree. Hot water is really hot at 211 degrees. What happens at 212 degrees? It boils. <laughs> Y'all passed science class. But water boils at 212 degrees. When water boils, what does it produce? Steam. I heard a little voice. That's what I'm talking about. High five from the back. But it produces steam. And what we know about steam is it can move an entire locomotive. It's it's the difference in one degree. It's the difference in being hot or absolutely on fire. See, what I know is this. The devil wants wants to keep us from the fire. Because he knows what will happen if we get too hot. If if we get too hot, if we get too close to Jesus, then our families will be restored. If we get too close to Jesus, then our marriages will be healthy. If we get too close to Jesus, then our kids will follow him. If we get too close to Jesus, then our businesses will impact the church financially. By the way, the Greek word for hot is zestos. It doesn't mean hot. It means boiling hot. It means you have to absolutely be on fire. I think if we're not careful, again, we can so deceive ourselves thinking, oh, I'm on fire for God. I'm better than I was yesterday. Or, 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 or we'll, we'll go down this rabbit hole. We'll say, well, I'm, I'm better than my parents were. I'm better than what I grew up in. Hey, I appreciate that. That, That's good to recognize that, but is that where God wants you to stop? No. He wants you to be absolutely on fire for Him. What's the difference in one degree? One conversation away. You're one prayer away. You ever notice in life how many things are determined by a small margin? Where's my golf fans in the room? Anybody play golf? A couple of you? I love it. Let, let, me give you, let me give you some stats. There's four major tournaments every year. There's the Masters, the U.S. Open, the British Open, and the PGA Championship. And over four days, they play a total of 72 holes. The average margin of victory for all four tournaments, not in one year, but over the course of 25 years, was three strokes. 25 years, the difference in first and second place, an average of three strokes every year. That's less than one stroke per day. Over that same time frame, the difference in earnings for first to second place was 78%. Less than one stroke a day, but the first place person made 78% more than the person in second place. Thomas Edison said this, he said, many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. Listen, I know life is hard sometimes, don't give up. I know your job can be tough sometimes. Don't give up. I know family transitions can be hard. Don't give up. How, how close are you? Think, think, about, think about the weather that we're having. It's 80 degrees a day. That's weird. 
But think of, think of December and January and February when the temperature hopefully drops and stays there and doesn't go. But at 33 degrees in the rain, we're all miserable. In 33 degree rain, nobody wants to be outside. In 33 degree rain, you still go to school. What happens at 32 degrees? <coughs> Everything shuts down. We're in North Carolina. We don't know how to act. We get snow. And then everybody wants to be outside. They want to open their doors. They want, or not their doors. They want to open their windows. They want to see the snow. They want to see the ground cover. They want to get outside and play. At 33 degrees, you're telling your kids to get inside fast. At 32 degrees, you're saying stay out as long as you want to. <laughs> it's, the difference in, it's the difference in one degree. It's the difference in a minor, in a minor change. Well, what about your mortgage? You got a 30-year mortgage. If you make one extra payment a year, that 30-year mortgage turns into a 22-year mortgage. It's the, dif- it's the difference in a small margin. What about the power of 1% or 1 degree when you're flying? One degree of latitude equals approximately 69 miles over the course of an hour. What does that mean? That means in one minute, in one minute being one degree off, you're already 1.15 miles off course. That means in one second, you're 101 feet off course. In one second, you're just just one degree off. It's the power of a small change. Remember, how do you become lukewarm? Again, trick question. You do absolutely nothing. You let yourself drift. Think of the water. Think of the water going to Laodicea, coming from Colossae, coming from Hierapolis. What did it do? It just drifted. It got away from its source. The cold spring got away from the cold spring. It became lukewarm. What about the hot water? Well, it got away from the source. It got away from the hot springs, and it became lukewarm. It's the difference in a small change. It's the difference in drifting. It's the difference in doing something or doing nothing. But then we see in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said this. He said, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If we break this sentence down in the original Greek, John used the Greek word ho before way. Ho is the equivalent to the English word the, which in our language is a definitive article. So so Jesus did not say he is a way, a truth, a life. Jesus says, I am the way. The truth and the life. Many other faiths claim that they know they have a different path, but they all lead to the same destination. They don't. Listen, maybe their teachings are similar, and maybe they do talk about some of the same things, but if you're one degree off, if you're, if you're one degree off, in one second you've already traveled 101 feet off path. It's the difference in a small change. One degree, one degree can be the difference of being piping hot on fire for Jesus or just drifting and eventually becoming lukewarm. And what I know is this, Jesus wants to pull us all close to the fire. He wants to pull us all close 
the Israelites, he wanted to pull the Israelites close to the fire. And what did they say? Hey, say, Moses, you have at it. I don't want to do it. One of the best reconciliation stories in the Bible is of Peter. So imagine the scene. I'll give you kind of some cliff notes. It's in the Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what do we see? We see that Jesus gets arrested. And Jesus is taken to Caiaphas' house. And, and when he's at Caiaphas' house, there's people that are gathering around. And Scripture tells us that there's some individuals that build a fire. And Peter was one of the guys that followed Jesus. He was with them for three and a half years. Peter makes his way to the fire. He's like, man, I'm cold. Like it's, I got to warm up. I wonder, I wonder what they're going to do to Jesus. He's trying to warm up next to the fire. And on three different occasions, someone says, hey, weren't you one of Jesus' disciples? Peter, no, 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 that wasn't me. You, you've, got, you've got the wrong person. That, that wasn't me. And on that third time, Scripture says that he locks eyes with Jesus, realizing that as the rooster crowed, what Jesus said came to pass, that Peter would deny Jesus three times. And, and then where, where, do we find, where do we find Peter when we see him again? We don't see him at the cross when Jesus is crucified. He ran. Where do we see him? He's fishing in a boat. He went back to what was comfortable. He drifted away from his source. He became lukewarm. We find him in his guilt. We find him in his shame. We find him broken. He's in this boat, going back to what he knew. I guess I messed that opportunity up, so I guess I got to go back this direction. The Bible tells us that there was a man walking on the shore, and Peter was in the boat with some of the other disciples, and they were kind of looking at this man, and they were like, ah, dude, looks familiar. He, he, there's, no, there's no way it could be Jesus. Like, we just, he just got crucified. He was, he was buried. Like, he said he was going to come back, but ain't nobody's ever done that. Like, he leans in a little more. It's like, man, I, that's, that's got to be Jesus. That's got to be him. Scripture says he tucks his robe, he dives into the water, and he begins to swim frantically for the shore. Peter walks on the shore, and I could imagine, like, his clothes are soaking wet. He's dri- Remember, he's the dude that went down in the water. <laughs> he walked, and then he sank. At this point, he's swimming to Jesus. I don't, I don't care what happens to me. Last time I was in the water, it wasn't any good. <laughs> Last time I was near Jesus, it wasn't any good, but, but I, I, know, I know that I have to get close to him. So he walks on shore, he's soaking wet, and what do we see? It's a beautiful picture of redemption. Scripture tells us that Jesus had a fire made. And he says, hey, Peter, let's have breakfast. Let's sit down and talk. So they sit next to this fire, and Jesus says, hey, Peter, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, you, you know that I, I, I love, I know I made a mistake. I know I messed up. I, I, I love you. And Jesus, hey, hey, Peter, he asked him a second time, hey, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, yes, Jesus, like I, I love you. And I imagine that he leaned in closer the third time again, just reading kind of between the lines. And Jesus says, hey, Peter, do you love me? And I imagine, anybody else, 
Do smells like remind you of anything? Like you smell something, it gives you a memory? I imagine that as Peter's sitting around the fire, he's smelling the flames, he's smelling the burnt wood, that all these emotions of denying Jesus are just flooding him. How? How? Like how am I sitting here right now in front of Jesus? Like I just denied him. Why isn't he mad at me? And Peter's third and final response was, yes, like Jesus, I, I love you. I love you. See, many of us think we've drifted away from God. Many of us, if we're not careful, we've become lukewarm in our own faith. I don't care how far you've gone or you think you are from Jesus. Jesus has a fire ready for you. And he's saying, hey, come close to me. Come close. I don't care how much you think you've messed up. Come close. I I don't care how many times you denied me. Come close. I don't care if you haven't had all the faith in the world in me. Come close. Jesus is saying this morning, hey, come close. He's saying, I don't, I don't want you to be cold, but I would rather you be cold than lukewarm. Because if you're lukewarm, you think you got it figured out, you think you're okay. I want you to be on fire for me. I Listen, Zach Witt loves you guys too much to not push you a little bit, to not challenge you a little bit. I'm not going to come in here and like high five all the time and make you feel good about yourself. I want you to do a serious checkup on your own life. Are you hot? Are you cold? Or are you lukewarm? If you're hot, keep going. If you're cold, do a 180. It's time to get back on track. If you're lukewarm, I want to grab you by the shoulders and go, what are you doing? So for the next couple of minutes, we're going to step back into worship. And my challenge is this. Don't be cold. Don't be lukewarm. But I want you to worship Jesus for everything he is in your life. Hey, thanks for joining us today at Multiply Church. We can't wait to see you again next week, either in person or online, as we continue to love Jesus and change the world.